Today, the world is demanding more of products and packaging. Consumers want more variety. Governments are demanding sustainability. And supply chains, they're more complex than ever before. Simply put, companies that make things need to respond faster than ever to change. Welcome to Beyond the Shelf, the product and packaging podcast. I'm Laura Fodi, and I'll be your host. Since I was a kid, I've always been fascinated by how things are made. And at Specrite, I get to work with product and packaging leaders to help them spend less time chasing data and more time making amazing things. We'll interview experts and industry leaders across food and beverage, beauty, consumer goods, and industrials and manufacturing. We're going to go beyond the shelf and get a behind the scenes look into the things you use every day and even the ones you don't. Where do the best ideas come from? How are leaders making sustainability goals a reality? What trends are here to stay? And what's just a passing fad? We're going to ask our guests all this and more. So be sure to subscribe and get ready to go Beyond the Shelf. Hello, and welcome to Beyond the Shelf, the product and packaging podcast, where we interview the people behind the amazing products we use every day. We have an amazing guest today, but before we dive in, I want to hear from all you listeners out there. It would mean a lot to me if you leave us a review or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Reviews help other people find the show. And most importantly, I love hearing what you love or want to see more of. I'm Laura Fodi, and today I'm thrilled to be speaking with Jennifer Raphael, CEO of Innovative Beauty Group. With 25 years of experience in the beauty industry, Jennifer is a leading strategic product innovator, seasoned beauty consultant, world traveler, and mother of two. A graduate of the University of Western Ontario, Jennifer began her career in the fashion industry and quickly pivoted to beauty. She joined Orchard Custom Beauty the year it launched in 1994. Throughout her years at Orchard, an innovative beauty group brand, Jennifer has worked in every aspect of the business, from product development and innovation to creative marketing, branding, and high-level executive management. I don't think there's anything she hasn't done. She has partnered with retailers and brand founders to conceptualize, forecast, innovate, and formulate award-winning products that have been launched and marketed throughout the world. In 2019, Jennifer was an integral player leveraging the acquisition of Orchard by the Albea Group, uh, a company many likely know, one of the world's largest packaging suppliers. As part of this acquisition, the Innovative Beauty Group was formed and Jennifer was appointed as CEO of IBG North America. Jennifer, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. This is my first podcast, so I'm super excited. <laughs> Thanks for having me. No, so excited for you to be here and so impressed by your career. I think it says a lot for someone to rise through the ranks, and I love that you've touched every aspect of the business, which we'll get into shortly. But I wanted to start off uh, with a simple question. You started in fashion and quickly pivoted to beauty. Why did you make that leap? Uh, you know, I, I was always inspired by fashion. My goal was to be a buyer at Holt Renfrew, which is, uh, we're Canadian based, our company and Holt Renfrew is a retailer here in Canada. And I guess looking back, working at Holt Renfrew, I always saw the beauty department as the most buzzing department in the store. And I, you know, learned that the beauty department really was keeping the store afloat, so to speak. I naturally always loved packaging and branding. And um, I used to sit and spend time watching my mother do her makeup when she was going out with my dad and like her, her nighttime routine with like lotions and potions. So I think that's how I got inspired by beauty. Um, but while I was in fashion, 
I had the good fortune of meeting Shelly, who later on founded Orchard, and we clicked uh, from the get-go. And so when she reached out to me with an opportunity to, you know, move to beauty and come and work with her and her sister at their company, I jumped at the opportunity. So that was really how I, I let light leaped into beauty from fashion and probably just to work with someone that I really respected, but I was always passionate about beauty products. That's amazing. I love how you talked about the steps and the nightly routine. I probably would get a poor score on my own. I find it really intimidating. There's always new things coming out, whether it be a serum or an eye cream. And I'm always, I'm always wondering um, if I'm doing the right thing. But what, you know, you're currently a CEO at Innovative Beauty Group and you've held a variety of roles in, you know, in a beauty company. Can you talk about the different functions and what you learned from each? Yeah, of course. I so I wore a, I've worn a lot of different hats at Orchard. When we started, I was actually the first employee, so I did everything from. I think I built my desk <laughs> the first week they hired me. I took it out of the box and put it together. But answering the phones, delivering Christmas presents, uh, organizing our sample room, and uh, you know we were really a startup. I'd say before startups were even referred to as that. So we had to build the infrastructure from scratch. And that was creating, you know, buying processes, dockets, um, product specifications, and, you know, finding factory partners, creating costing sheets. And so really we, we built every aspect of the business from, from the scratch. Um, looking back, the company was really ahead of its time because it was female owned and um, female led and at that in that day and age really no companies were so i was really inspired by what was being built and i just wanted to um, be a part of it in any capacity and uh, and i slowly worked into my way through the product development team and into more like sales and marketing um, my biggest takeaway was that i took great pride in like every role and I gave my best, uh, like I tried my best in, in everything, uh, regardless of the title. Titles really didn't like mean a lot and they really don't mean a lot to me right now either. That's amazing. Um, we interviewed another uh, CEO, Jan Tharp, who's the CEO of Bumblebee Foods, and she actually started her career as a packaging engineer and essentially worked her way up. And so I love seeing, you know, all these people who have more of the domain expertise first and then kind of get that management perspective. You know, how, you know, why do you think this experience uniquely prepared you for being a CEO? I mean, I don't know if anyone's ever really prepared to be a CEO. It's, um, I kind of feel like it was a bit of a leap of faith. Um, wildly enough, you know, I've been in the business, like you mentioned, mentioned 25 years, almost three decades. And I think that's allowed me to understand all the challenges and opportunities that everyone like in every role in the company faces. So I learned the interest intricacies that go along with like developing products, sourcing, buying. And I think that has led me to be able to communicate with the like our customers and get a deep understanding of, you know, what their goals are and how to bring their product dreams to life. My yeah. dad was actually also a CEO. So I think growing up, I I would go to his office and, and see how, what he was doing. And I kind of just believed that if you, you know, if someone teaches you how to do something, you can really do anything. I love that. I actually have a photo right here. Listeners can't see it of me in my dad's office when I was probably three or four years old. I'm in a very embarrassing bunny outfit. But I always say like those trips really 
were my first exposure to business and allowed me to see myself in that position. Um, I used to go to like the take your child to work day all the time. Um, and so those things ha can have a huge impact of us. And I love that you have that story and that relationship with your dad as well. You've been in the industry for, you know, you mentioned going on three decades. How has the role and importance of packaging changed in beauty? So, I mean, for starters, packaging has been like pressed to become increasingly eye-catching. And, you know, when, when we started out, it was in the internet's infancy. So, you know, beauty products have really, you know, they aren't just sitting on the shelves anymore. We have to find them like online as well. And so they have to be uh, captivating. So a lot of uh, brands, they really have to differentiate themselves uh, so they don't get lost with, you know, dozens of other things on the shelf and also on your, you know, on your consumer's phone and on the computer screens. I also think that sustainability has really evolved in this area. And a lot of this is like technology driven, material sciences have evolved. And, um, you know, we have this increasing number of plastics that need to be recycled. So we're moving towards a more circular economy. And I mean, that's something that should be celebrated. Um, the yeah, other absolutely. thing that I find interesting, which I think kind of brings in Specrite, but I'm not totally sure. I don't know everything about Specrite, but the ability to use like QR codes and like on mm -hmm. packaging insignias to speak directly to consumers has really like expanded and um, consumers really want like all this product information. I notice it with my daughter who's 23 and like her generation, they really want to like learn more. So it's amazing now that they can learn more and that they're practicing all of, uh, you know, those, those um, learnings, I guess, but it means more now brands have to really like walk their, their talk and, um, and their corporate uh, sustainable and social responsibilities are like really, really important these days. Oh, absolutely. Expect, right. We've really seen, to your point, an explosion in the data points people have to capture for their specifications, right? Like it used to be you had one product, it was really easy to manage the specs. Now there's so many different variations and there's the need to prove that you're sustainable, right? So the consumer says it's not just good enough that you say it. I want to know, you know, what percentage of this packaging is recycled material. Um, a lot of regulations are coming into play that we're seeing like extended producer responsibility where there's a compliance element of that. And so it's interesting to see the product and packaging specifications kind of explode. But I think you mentioned too, like if it's done in parallel with technology, it can really be managed and even harnessed as a way to drive innovation faster and, and smarter. Um, innovation can mean a lot of things. How do you think about it as CEO? So we have our heads in the trends all the time and we're always looking, you know, one, two, five years out. So, you know, we were, you know, lucky enough to attend a lot of different trade shows, travel to different countries and we're in a lot of different labs and factories. And, um, you know, we're always looking for products that blow us away, um, getting excited, like to, you know, find anything new to bring to our customers. But a lot of like true innovation comes from like intuition from our team of like, you know, beauty lovers. And we've got uh, an amazing talented team that they're beauty junkies, absolutely. So a lot of the innovation just comes from like what they would want, a product that they would need. Sometimes innovation isn't something completely out of the ordinary. It can be like simple, minimal, and maybe like undetectable. Um, I, I know that 
we're always thinking about the end user. Like what, what do they want? What does that customer want? What's the solution that we're offering to help solve their problem? Um, and that can be like the shape of a product or, um, you know, or, or the, um, it could even be how we're how we're uh, solving an issue for for a customer on where a factory would be based if they need a product that's not from one country and it's from another country. Par- partnering them up with a, a factory that we know that can can provide them what they're looking for. I love that idea of innovation can really be simple. One thing we talk about is we really strive to simplify the complex and. Another mantra that we have is, you know, the difference between innovation and invention. You know, invention is creating something new. Innovation is commercializing it and make and bringing it to market. And I think it's so important for people out there to know that innovation doesn't have to be this huge, big, scary thing. It can be something really small, but unexpected. It can come from your intuition. I think that's a really brilliant way of looking at it. We used to say that we would find sometimes a new innovation item at like a hardware store. (laughs) You know, it doesn't have to be in a beauty shop or it could be something totally outside of our industry that that inspires us sometimes. Oh, I love that. I went to LuxPak a few years ago and saw a really great talk about the intersection of of liquor and beauty. And if you look at packaging of like gin bottles and then perfume packaging, like they're very much inspired by one another. And those are two industries that don't seem to have anything in common. And so I think it is really interesting to see developments. Um, A lot of that too is material-based, right? And how you Mm -hmm. can bring it from one industry to another. Sometimes that's even unexpected or surprising. Yeah, no, for sure, I agree. So, you know, you mentioned sustainability, obviously very top of mind. How do you balance innovation with social responsibility? So, I mean, really, you can't have one without the other. The first question anyone asks about like new packaging is like, you know, how sustainable is it? And that's, it's, it's a tough question, but that's a really good thing. That really should be the first question customers are asking us. So, you know, there's like environmental stewardship and material science that have advanced to the point where innovation must have sustainability as part of it. And there's no excuses anymore. Most of our clients, I would say almost all of our clients have different mandates on when, you know, by 2025, by 2023, by 2024. So we, we've got to, we're really on top of um, all of all of this. It is really important, like not all plastics are bad and sustainability must incorporate the evolution of plastics to like more eco-friendly resins like PPE and PET, as well as plastics uh, reduction, like overall. Um, some tubes, for example, are using like wood pulp resins and uh, sugar cane resins, which can assist with like their ability to be recycled or um, like biodegradable. So there's lots happening. I think that social responsibility now is a fo- another form of innovation and it requires all of us to think outside the box and solve um, problems that have never been addressed before. Uh, IBG now we're every product that we pitched to a customer for our mandate for this year was that 85% of our proposal proposals would contain a sustainable offering. And our goal for next year is 100%. There's really almost no excuse why we shouldn't be offering our client a sustainable solution. I love that. I mean, really, it takes a village and it speaks too to your strategic, the strategic relationship you have with your customers. Can you give our listeners an overview of some of some of the customers that you serve? You know what we serve a lot of like beauty retailers, 
uh, drugstore chains, a lot of brands, a lot of, you know, some of some of the legacy brands as well. So we really, uh, we service everyone that sells beauty products, basically. And, um, and we have nine offices globally. So we're, we're servicing people in all parts of the world. That's amazing. And what, what are the biggest challenges that they're coming to you to help them solve? Oh my gosh, that's a tough one. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of different challenges, but you know, um, you know, speed to market. Uh, we do a lot of like turnkey solutions, full service. So we'll help them find a formula that marries up to a package that they like. That's you know within their um, brand DNA, and we take care of all of the uh, all of the parts in between. Like so, we almost act as an extension of their team and take care of everything from A to Z, including you know all the product specifications and uh, and delivering the goods right to their warehouse. That's amazing. I mean, I can't imagine being in the beauty industry right now. And the reason I say that is I'm not a power user of TikTok, but I do dabble. <laughs> and like the speed of trends is get, is getting so much faster. You know, something going viral on TikTok, I have a lot of friends in the music industry because we're in LA. And now everything they talk about is like optimizing artists and songs to break out on TikTok. And I think about beauty, I'm sure there's similar effects happening on social media is that what is that really driving the need for this even faster innovation or where do you see that pressure coming from? yeah i think i think tiktok is a is a huge um it's what everyone's going on it even you know instagram for example i think is not as um, prevalent anymore i see my you know mostly with my kids because they're like in their 19 and 23 but they um my daughter is constantly on tiktok and that's where she's getting all of her uh, product knowledge from and and um, being inspired by from different brands. That's amazing. I mean, I feel old now because I'm still an Instagram user, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> I know me too. <laughs> I think it's amazing to see you know women like yourself in in leadership positions, and you know, just want to say thank you for being such a role model there. What are the benefits of being promoted from within? Because I think that's a very unique position and something that you can you can speak to. Thank you. I mean, it's very sweet for you to say that. Um, but, you know, it means the world to me, the position that I'm in to be a female in, um, you know, even beauty has sort of been male dominated. And uh, I'm really thankful for the, the um, support that I had throughout my career from like amazing women. Um, I think you know, at the end of the day, I really wanted to be a good example to my kids. And, uh, and I showed them that if you work hard and, you know, have a dream that, uh, you know, you can achieve really anything. Um, promoting from within is something that's really important to, to me. I, I mean, I wouldn't be in this role if I hadn't been promoted myself, but it's, we really encourage our teammates to share what their goals are and their aspirations and, we really always believe it's best to promote from within. There's just so much like culture. We've got such a great environment here and it, it's, it's so much easier to um, help people grow within our organization than to, you know, it, we've had success hiring outside too. Sometimes there's roles that you need to hire outside for, but if we, we always look inside first. I think that's fantastic, especially when, the culture is so important to your company and your offerings. And again, you guys have more of that strategic partner approach. So I imagine you want people that really have that history and understanding of it. 
Um, it's interesting at Specrite, we feel very similar. And I know I reached a point in my career where I started measuring my success based on the people under me and them getting promoted, right? Because then if, if you're promoting others, it means the company is growing and you're doing well. Um, and it's been really fun to see people kind of blossom. And to me, that's a fun point to be in in my career where um, you're seeing others succeed and that kind of gives you a, a sense of joy and, and satisfaction. Yeah, I mean, at Orchard, we've had, it, it, it's been so great, but we often meet with the team and ask, you know, what, what are your goals? And because we were acquired in 2019, we now we always had a satellite offices in New York and in LA, but we couldn't really move staff from our Canadian team, like to the US. And now we, we moved someone to LA, actually two people now have moved to join our LA team. We moved, uh, we promoted somebody from our finance team and now she's the uh, finance director for our sister company in the Netherlands. And we just moved someone from our Paris office here. So we moved someone from New York to Toronto. Like it's just kind of amazing because that, that can change like their whole life, <laughs> life experience and, and for their family and their kids and things. So it's really exciting. Like I wish I could have moved somewhere when I, <laughs> when I was a lot younger, I would have wanted to move to, I don't know, China or Europe or something. So we have a lot of opportunity here. That's great. And I imagine all of those different perspectives then go back into the company. And again, when we talk about innovation, being in different markets and different environments, I can imagine that only helps um, give you guys even more of that perspective and ear on the ground, if you will. Yeah, I think it helped kind of almost like cross pollinate our cultures. So it's really, it's really helpful to like our senior leadership team globally, because there's people in different entities that they just understand how how we want like our vision and how we want the company to be run so it's really it's like it, that's the best way to do it i think yeah, especially totally. during covid <laughs> you mentioned um shelly the founder and how much you learned from her you know what was your number one takeaway you know that you still think about that she taught you Oh my gosh, she is, is, she was and is such a light um, in my life. And she was like an amazing, amazing mentor. She has like just a great, great personality. She's, uh, I can't think of the word, but like a magnetic personality, I guess. <laughs> and uh, she believed in me like wholeheartedly. And she had so much faith in me, probably more faith than I had in myself at many points in my career. And um, she just showed me the importance of like working with amazing people and um, having fun and trusting. And so anyway, she's a really, really special person. And I mean, I'm so honored to continue what she and her sister started so many years ago. I think that's amazing. And for everyone listening, I know a lot of you folks are working in a lot of these industries. I cannot overstate the importance of finding mentors and sponsors. To Jennifer's point, um, I've had people who have had a huge impact on my career. Uh, I think of Linda Ball, General Trucuzema. She gave me my first internship, and same thing. Like I, I definitely wasn't qualified to, to be in that role at the time. But having those people who will push you and and show you the example of of who you can become is really special. And you never you never forget those folks. Um, what advice would you give to the next generation of leaders in the beauty industry? Ah, uh, okay. I would say to be present and kind of like look up like from your phones and live in the moment because there's so much beauty out there. Um, be really patient with yourself. I feel like this younger generation, they're they're like on the fast track. They want to leapfrog 
through, you know, an organization, but through their careers. And I think there's like moments to savor along the way. And um, I guess always keep a smile on your face. I, I've met so many people. So many people have helped me in my career, just I think because I said hi and smiled and, uh, you know, they then they introduced themselves and they happened to, you know, own a cosmetic manufacturer in the US or something or a packaging company in Asia. And they helped me along the way. So. Oh, that's amazing. Um, you're right. One of my colleagues once said to me, uh, remember, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And to your point, you know, you can't go three decades in an industry if every day you're trying to run a, a 100 meter as fast as you can, right? It's not sustainable. Sometimes you got to run like a 10 minute mile. Yeah. And I so. think the relationships, like pe people come first and the relationships that you build with your colleagues and like our factory partners and our clients. So, I mean, that's really how our business grew was just on, on the relationships that we've had. So, I mean, people are so important. Absolutely. And like, you, I love how you said to look up from your phones, because I think we all need to do that these days. Uh, what are you most excited about when you look at the future of the beauty industry? I'm excited for, you know, the evolution of beauty. I think that these past few years, especially after, you know, coming out of the pandemic and during the pandemic, we saw a surge of really like, empowered creators and they developed you know brands and products that were really challenging like what the legacy brands uh, had in their offerings on the market so i think more than ever now it's like a beauty of the people era <laughs> that's how i would best describe it i love that um, beauty of yeah, the people beauty of the people but it really is now so you know it, it used to be that the industry was telling the consumer you know, what the ideal was and, you know, for images, obviously, but, you know, now it's really like the consumers telling us what they need. And I think that that's really incredible and insightful. I listened to a podcast that you did with, um, I think it was Clue, Cluey. Cluey. Yeah. Mary Cluey. Yes. That was great. But I think all the insight that she's bringing I, I mean, I, I want to learn more about that. I want to hear her speak at like an industry event or something. But I think that, you know, it's it's hearing really, instead of us thinking in boardrooms what consumers want, it's like listening to what the consumers want and they're they're directing what, what we're going to be developing. Um, at IBG, we always say it's the start of something beautiful, but I kind of think this era is the start of something beautiful. I really love that. You know, there's a few things that you reminded me of. The first is, there's been this shift of beauty beyond, again, what we saw in magazines to be more around skincare, taking care of yourself, not just around like creating an image for someone else. It's really about you. And that really resonated with me as a consumer. And the other trend that I really love is this idea of inclusiveness. And so more products for men, you know, some men wear makeup, you know, people of all genders can use these products. And I think having a very expansive um, view of that is, it benefits everyone, right? Like we all at the end of the day want to feel good and feel confident and beauty products can do that, you know, regardless of your age, you know, your gender, your race and so forth. You know, I look at what Rihanna's done with Fenty of like being more inclusive with beauty. And I think it's like you said, it, it really does feel like we're at this unique moment in time where all of these consumer feedback loops are creating all of this, to your point earlier, opportunities for innovation that you know, maybe should have been obvious, but we never really did for one reason or another. Yeah. And, and I think of, you know, when you think of what happened, even I was talking about it this weekend, but in the shave market, like, you know, dollar shave and sort of 
breaking through areas that you felt were sort of untouchable. You know, it's like someone's going to be inventing the next ketchup or something like Heinz ketchup. But it just there's there's so many um, kind of like niche areas that are being brought to the forefront that we hadn't thought of before. I'm so excited to see what people do next. Um, So we're (laughs) almost at the end of our time. I want to close out with my favorite segment, Rapid Fire. So, Jennifer, what's your favorite product right now? I love any cream product. Like I love cream blushes, bronzers, and highlighters, but I'm going to do a plug for my daughter who just started in the beauty industry working for a brand called Amber Wellness. And they introduced me to, introduced me recently to the Hydrosol Facial Mist. And it is like to die for. It's amazing. We've been spraying it like almost nonstop, my daughter and I. So that's my favorite product right now. Oh, I love that. I'm going to have to give it a try. I'm also with you. I love a good bronzer. It's summertime here. (laughs) I know. I love creamy things. But Amber is a uh, Canadian um, startup brand that started during the pandemic. And uh, they they have an amazing story. So I'm excited. We'll we'll put a link to the website in the show notes so everyone can check it out. Um, Thank you. What product or packaging trend are you most excited about right now? Um, Oh, my gosh. I think I love things that come in like reusable um, pouches, uh, you know, like if it's a cosmetic brush or something, rather than it being in a box that you're going to throw away, being in a little pouch. And then I always reuse those pouches as cosmetic bags. But um, we actually, our sister company, Fastin, just won an award for um, reusable packaging. So they, they, they created this, this is my favorite packaging product, but they created this like uh, it looks like a marble jar and then it has almost like an, it holds like an espresso cup that can be recycled with your product inside and it's beautiful. So, oh, I love that. I'm going to have to check right. that out. Yeah. Okay. Last segment. This is the most fun. It's called Kill Keeper Change. We'll give you a list of three random products and you have to decide what you would kill, aka discontinue, what you would keep as is and what you would change to make it better. So I have no idea what's in this jar, by the way. So the first one <laughs> is Twizzlers. Ooh, I oh, I would keep. I love Twizzlers. You don't, but you don't know the other two. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's see. Uh, all right. So the second one is floss, dental floss. Mm, okay. All right. The third one is <laughs> the Snuggie. Do you remember the Snuggie? Oh my gosh, I do remember the Snuggie. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a blast from the past. Okay, Twizzlers, Floss, I would, and the Snuggie. I would keep the Twizzlers still. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, I would probably toss the Floss, but I shouldn't. And uh, I probably, I guess the Snuggie would come in <laughs> in the middle there. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the Snuggie could be improved a bit. I feel like it just, it had, it's had its moment. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's a very lasting product, but um, thank you so much, Jennifer, for, for, for joining us. How can people follow what you're doing? Oh, well, um, you, you know what? They can follow us on our IBG website, which is www.albea-ibg.com. I'll send it to you or on LinkedIn. They can follow me on LinkedIn. Amazing. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. I loved speaking with you. And for those listening, if you liked this episode, be sure to share it and rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jennifer, thanks so much for going beyond self with us. Thank you, Laura. It was an absolute pleasure to be on your show. Thank you. Beyond the Shelf is presented by Specrite, the first cloud-based platform for specification management. Say goodbye to spreadsheets, share drives, and legacy systems, and digitize your specs in a secure single source of truth. 
with Specrite, you can easily share and collaborate on specs with other departments and across your entire supply chain network. Taking a spec-first approach enables you to accelerate product and packaging development, go to bid faster, report on sustainability, and ultimately spend less time chasing data and more time making amazing things. To learn more, visit specrite.com. That's S-P-E-C-R-I-G-H-T.com.